getting really contextual and targeting them with a real experience, that's really all people want. People want to know that you're more than a number. People get it. You're an online buyer, you're an online shopper, but at the end of the day, it's an emotional decision and purchase. And so often people don't get that. Snackable content from brand builders. E-commerce and growth marketing leaders. Giving you actionable insights you can apply today. Bite-sized podcast. With Daniel James. What's up, Jimmy? Welcome to Bite-sized. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Of course. Um, I'm excited for this one. I've been seeing you and what you've been doing at Senlane, making some waves recently within the the DTC e-commerce circles. So yeah, I'm definitely excited for it. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know or who hasn't seen, I say hype. Maybe that's a little bit discrediting to what you're building, but hype is never a bad thing, right? But in, in case anyone hasn't seen the hype, like maybe just give us your three minute career story, kind of where you started and what you're currently doing now at Sendlane. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to do this in three minutes, but uh, so I'll start on the top Sendlane. Who are we? We're an email, a, a unified email SMS and reviews platform that empowers merchants, right? On e-commerce. Uh, um, my story is one of those unique fun stories in that, you know, my first career I was, I did car sales essentially, right? That was my first career in my life before I got into online. And in 2008, when the whole recession thing happened, I actually made the pivot into uh, online marketing, learning from a really smart guy who was in the education space. And he really taught me the power of actual email marketing. So 2008 is when I discovered how amazing it is that you can congregate these people on an email list, talk to them, send them links and have them make a purchase and you can make money without ever actually having even a real life conversation with them. And it was one of the most enlightening things I did. And that led me to gel off into my career. And uh, the first thing I did after that was, you know, after I did that stint for a couple of years, I started my own business, started off being an affiliate marketer where I was just basically getting emails and promoting third parties, uh, eventually turned out into a content creator thing. And during that time, how I got into e-commerce was I was, uh, I had a friend in Vegas that had this retail storefront. It was a men's streetwear boutique store and he needed a $50,000 check for a PO that he had for Pacific Sunwear. And I didn't uh, I didn't know anything about his brand. All I knew was that he was a really good buddy and I trusted him and I had good money. So I said, here's 50 grand. We'll figure out how to pay, pay me back. And I gave him the money. And one of those fun things where I like sat down with him one day and I was like hanging out with him and I was like, so what does your brand do? And we started talking. I was like, very cool. Like, okay, I see what you're doing here. I said, so what's your online look like? And he was like, online? Like, you know, and I was like, all right. So then I was like, let's talk. All right. And so I was like, let's get in there, spin up a Shopify store. Let's get an email going. Let's get SMS. Let's get Facebook ads going. And we eventually turned this thing from a retail storefront to this full congregated uh, DSC thing, 10,000 square foot warehouse. We had infinity walls. We had three PL setups. We have inventory warehouse. We had all this cool stuff. And we had become a men's streetwear brand where we and our own cut and sew that we did here in the United States. So like it was a really cool transformation we did. And, you know, we scaled pretty fast and uh, quickly there. And during all that time, the way Sendlane developed out of this was there was only two tool options back there in 2013. You had Bronto and you had MailChimp. Bronto was the sky in the high. You know, it was $100,000, too expensive. And MailChimp, it's literally not that different from it is today. Maybe just a little bit more so over the last 10 years, right? And so we said, myself and some of my co-founders, we're sitting in, around a table one day and we're like, God, we got we to get a better tool for ourselves. And that's kind of where the Sendlane story started. It started as an internal tool. It was never meant to be sold into the world. It was really used to power our three businesses to make millions of dollars, actually. Lots and lots of millions of dollars between the three of our stores. And uh, we had really good success there. And it led us to 
one day when I exited that partnership, that brand, and I exited my other business that had evolved into a software company, I started this company called Sendlane because I was like, all right, we've done something cool here. We need to go do it again. But now I understand a problem that I'm looking to solve and do it. And it wasn't the idea that I wanted to solve email just alone. I wanted to solve the future of commerce when I think about MarTech and own marketing. I want to unify the stack ultimately, right? I want to take email, SMS, reviews, and loyalty, and all those different things and bring them all under one roof because the vision of the company is not just because I want to bring them all together, but I believe that if you can bring them all together and you can understand a full life cycle, you can truly start solving things that you can't solve today, like attribution and insights and really understanding how to move the needle more forward into being able to actually optimize the systems. Right now with the disjointed, unified, or integrated platform problem, there's data delays, lack of data discrepancy, the data's different, multiple attribution models. These are things that are broken and that's what I wanted to solve into the world. So, you know, we came out, we built this thing, we launched it. It was email only first because as a core email lover, I knew that I needed to make email right because it needs to be best in class in order to be uh, a very big competitor in this market. So we focused on that. And then after that, we've released SMS and then now recently released reviews this past uh, quarter. And uh, we're continuing to move forward with more products into the future. So, you know, that's kind of our story. And the way that we think about ourselves is very simple as we explain ourselves on the market. Like, you know, who are we? We have new tech. Right. So that may means that we've solved a lot of the problems that you may experience today on your platform. We focus extremely big on UI and UX because that's really important to me and something that I always cared about. And the other thing that's super important to me is customer service. And so ever since I was the start of a merchant to, you know, every one of my businesses, customer service is the one thing that's the standalone that you hear about every one of my businesses because that's what I care about most. So, you know, there's other reasons you save money, save time, all that other reason, but those are like the core of what we do. But yeah, man, that's that's kind of our story of where we got. And I would say that we are still in a building cycle. We're not established and ready to go. We're literally just breaking the noise and marketing. We're consolidating people's stack right now. And it's been a really exciting story as we're really, truly solving a real problem in this world. And we're saving people's tremendous money at the same time. So it's like a great balance, like give them more power and save them money. Like what more do you want as a merchant? So that's kind of the, that's kind of the mantra here. There's so much about that that I love. And we're going to unpack we're going to unpack a lot of that, Jimmy. Uh, first thing, though, it's really interesting that, you know, I mean, so many entrepreneurs, they saw, they're initially solving a problem that they're finding, right? Or like there's a there's a gap for something they want personally, whether it's a solution like this or whether it's a product or something like that. So it's, it's kind of a, a common theme that I'm, that I'm hearing. But even though you'd build this tool, right? Uh, for your internal internal companies, and I'm so aligned with the philosophy of consolidation. By the way, you look at these tech charts; it's just like what the fuck. Again, we'll talk more about that. I love it. At the same time, as what gave you the confidence to think, well, this thing that works for my two three businesses, it makes sense to go and then build a company to try and take on the, the big incumbents, right? Like, I love that. But why? Why? What gives you so much confidence in what Senle is doing to take those guys on? Because a lot of people might look at that and think, well, there's, there's these behemoths in the market. How do I capture some of that market share? I think two things to that answer. To start when we did it, we were just naive, man. Like we just didn't care. We didn't understand and we weren't, look, we were, we were true, like me and my partners and all of them, like the former, you know, they don't, they're no longer in the business now, but my co-founders, we were all true entrepreneurs. So what is the biggest thing about entrepreneurs or risk takers? And we just literally don't care, right? It's a little bit of ego. It's a little bit of whatever, but there's a lot of thought behind like the fact that like, yeah, there's people in there, but we can carve our own space, right? We always make and carve our own path. 
The bigger answer to that, Daniel, is that I looked at the market and saw clearly that there was going to be no competitor. And I don't, I believe that what we do, because let's face it, a hundred percent of merchants have to do email marketing in their business, right? There's so much space in the market. And when I look at that, I go, there's so much space to be at the top of the market and that I see opportunity. Just because someone dominates the market does not mean that someone can come out and carve 10, 20, 30, 40% of that market share. And I'm, I'm good owning 30% of the market share if they own 70% of it, right? Like we're going to both do very well in life. So, you know, the way I look at it is opportunity is not always about winning and dominating. It's being able to sit next to a person and being able to dominate with the person. It's the same thing. It's like Uber and Lyft, right? Like Lyft was stupid. Uber was already there. But if you look at the thing, they're doing just fine too, right? Like that's okay. So I look at myself as a good alternative in the market. I think I'm a better tool than the, the incumbent right now, but they don't, they wear, they weigh the brand name, right? They have the brands, they have people that won't move yet. But over time, the goal is to go in there. And, you know, to me, I look at it really interesting because typically today, my displacement is not just one. It's not just Clavio, for example, right? I'm actually displacing Clavio Attentive, Clavio Attentive Yatpo, Clavio Attentive Reviews.io, whatever the, the triple stack is now is, is my displacement. Into the future, I want to displace more. So I would effectively say I'm creating enemies with multiple billion dollar companies. And if I can create enough share from all of them, right, I'm still going to be picking at all of them. It's it's a better way to look into the future. And that's basically the way I look at it is like, I'm not competing just for one. I'm competing for all of them. And I'm really trying to carve out a new space. I hope that I'm creating a new category ultimately right now, right? I want to create a category where you have this one tool. I use Sendlane and I empower my entire MarTech and I'm going to eliminate 30% of my apps that I'm using in my uh, business. And I'm going to have one product and it's going to cost me less. And it's going to give me more power, more technology than I had in the past because they're actually unified and working together as a system. I love that response. Exactly what I would expect here from an entrepreneur. Um, like, like, so like I said, the consolidation message is one that really speaks to me, right? Like the reason why I started my agency is I came from a world of fragmentation, whereas like working with these huge brands and the performance team was five different teams. The creative, they have 20 different creative agencies, brand and performance didn't talk to each other. I was like, this, you know, this is insane. How can you have efficient marketing, performance marketing? So it sounds like we are cut from the same cloth in so much as like consolidation makes so much sense. One thing an agency like ours sometimes gets thrown at us is, well, if you're doing so many things, how can you be really good at all of them, right? Now I know the answer uh, from your perspective, right? Email is one thing, SMS is another thing, reviews is another thing, data and attribution is another thing, all those pipes. like. Talk to me a little bit more about how you're making sure that like all of these things are working as they should and, and how you make sure there's integrity within each one of those products so that, you know, the consolidation kind of uh, positioning really makes sense and actually lives up to, you know, standalone products that specialize. And I know they're all trying to eat each other's pie, like attentive to an email, SMS, blah, blah, blah. Um, What's been your approach and how do you maintain that standard of excellence within each of those channels and bringing it all together? Yeah. So I'm a, I always look at myself as a product guy and the way that I think about the ways that we approach this is very simple. I look at email and SMS as being very important main channels that need to deliver best in class experiences. And the beauty of those two channels is they are very much unique in that they work kind of together and coincide. So we focus heavily on those places. Now, the rest of the tool stack as we look into the future is very simple. Look, one thing they say in product and one thing that's very true is that 80% of your audience uses 20% of your tool. And the 20% is your main use case, is the core features. And then you've got all the shiny objects that someone created that no one uses, right? 
So what we focused on as we look into the future of our stack is focusing on the 80%. Look, I, I believe wholeheartedly there will always be best in class tools. And if your business, for example, like reviews is just so important that there's so, so many unique things that you need, like I'm probably not the best tool, but you can probably send us the data and we can probably help you out or we can dual integrate, whatever that answer might be. So to me, it's, I'm not focusing on clearing out the best of class when it comes to a rewards or a loyalty program or a review product. I want to be good enough to make sure that it's creating that. But however, there's that edge at the same time, right? Because I've created this unification, I have things that are an edge right away that no one can do anyways. So it's like, hey, do you want the marketing tech that could actually move the needle forward? Or do you want your best in class tech that has X, Y, and Z that you think is important to your business, but it's not actually moving the business forward? So like, it's a question. How do you want to approach it, right? You know, when you look at Sendlane and just the reviews product, some of the things that we do from like the way that we work dynamic abandoned cart reviews to, you know, adding the, add, being able to pull in reviews live and dynamically change and swap them based around your settings that you're setting. Like these are things that move the needles for a company, right? But an extra shiny widget or an extra shiny corner that you can slice off or one extra icon that you're going to change, does that really change the business? Probably not. Some people care about it and that's okay. And that's what I always say. And you should probably use that tool if that's really your care. But for me, I'm solving for the marketer. And I want to make sure the marketer has the tools that they need in order to do it. You got to collect them. You got to moderate them. You got to do everything you need to do. And we solve all of that. It's like, okay, but do you do this crazy thing? Well, probably not. And it's probably not on my roadmap because it's only used by a very small percentage of people. So that's kind of the product philosophy you've taken. Best in class email, SMS, CRM, uh, the the bones of it, right? Segmentation and all that. It's got to be best in class, latest and greatest cutting edge technology. These other auxiliaries are because we understand what a marketing stack is and what the influence is. We focus on making sure we do the things that do, add a couple cutting edge things that actually move the needle forward. And suddenly the value is tremendous because why do we buy tools? We only buy tools to make ourselves better, right? To make more money. We don't buy tools to just waste time on it. So like we have to focus on it the same philosophy. So, you know, my North Star is how do I make merchants save time and make more money. So if I'm thinking like that, right, I got to think about that user experience and what they actually need to run their business. So that's it really, man. That's that's the best way we're approaching it right now. No, I love that. Too many shiny object syndrome things happen within the world of marketing. So I, I, t I totally agree with you. So outside of like, you know, tech stack fragmentation and all this sort of stuff, like what? Someone who obviously lives and breathes email and SMS marketing and reviews and, and has done obviously for a long time. Like, what are the challenges do brands and marketers have? Like, more around just like how to utilize email SMS, how to think of it as a, is it a net new customer acquisition channel? Is it a retention channel? We know that retention only comes after you've acquired the customer that's mainly driven through paid. Like, what are the challenges are you, are you seeing brands and marketers kind of face within email and SMS and, and like, you know, what's your approach to that? As someone who's obviously, like you said, you've done email and SMS marketing now for a long time. I peg it down to three core things that I see in the market quite often as like problems that I see in this market. And it's very simple. I'll start with the first one, which is audience. And I'm talking about understanding your audience and data and management. One of the things that I see in the core market that I see too often is people are very poor at managing their audience. What I mean by that is, understanding them. You don't have to get micro. I'm not talking about person who purchased X, but did not purchase Z, like not that macro, but actually having a strategy around prospects, customers, and VIPs, and being able to separate those three buckets of people and treating them differently and acting and creating great journeys for it, right? So there's number one. 
And that actually comes into what you just asked me about. Like, is it retention? To me, what we do is retention marketing, which means that after identity, right? Like they opted into a pop-up, they did something. That's when the retention starts. I'm trying to retain you to make you make do something, a first purchase, a second purchase, a third purchase, et cetera, right? So I think that in the funnel of acquisition and retention, it's very much a yin and yang, right? So number one and foremost, audience management is the thing that I see often misused and misplaced ultimately, meaning they're taking their audience, they're grouping them all together, just sending them an email. Oh, I'm going to take the active 90 days and send them out. Look, there's nothing wrong with that. It's going to make you money, but you're not doing your audience a justice if you do it that way, right? So I think about that as one of the big, big mistakes. The second mistake I always see is overcomplication. God, it, the things I've seen in my life and the flows I've seen in my life and the edge cases, look, we're marketers, founders, uh, operators, these people, uh, we often overthink a lot of things. I remember the whole thing I just talked about the 80%. I always tell every marketer, focus on the 80%, guys. You don't need to care if this person who bought this product, who did this thing, who lives in Chicago and they only spent this, you don't need to send them down a unique special flow. It's not going to make a move, move the needle. Why? Because email and SMS is a game of volume. It's a game of size. The more you have, the more you send, the more it will return, but don't put yourself in a pigeonhole. So overcomplication is the second thing I see quite often. And then third is even bigger. It's a, it's a lack of being able to move forward. And what I'm talking about that is a lot of marketers I meet, you know, asking what they're doing and it's the same playbook. Look, we all run campaigns. We all run, you know, flows and they just run a lot of that. And I'm like, that's great. But how are you evolving? How are you thinking bigger? How are you getting more contextual data? How are you understanding what a user is actually wants and how can we, well, make more money off of them, right? So like some of the things that we do at our co uh, companies, we work with clients, but not only do we work with clients, we enable them with tools that you can do cool things like, hey, I clicked on a certain link and over a certain time, I might send them an email or an SMS to follow up on that certain link or category or contextual that they got. The pre-purchase intent. If I clicked on the uh, the men's red shoes here and I didn't make a purchase of men's red shoes in three hours, but I didn't abandon a cart, maybe I should get a text message that says, don't forget about your men's red shoes that you just took a look at, right? Getting really contextual and targeting them with a real experience, that's really all people want. People want to know that you're more than a number. People get it. You're an online buyer, you're an online shopper, but at the end of the day, it's an emotional decision and purchase. And so often people don't get that. So those three things I would say are like the three like things that I see in the market right now. There's a, a lot of other things. We can get into copywriting, CTA, all of other things that we can think about. But like those would I say, figure those out and you become a better marketer instantly into the market than a good majority of people in the market. It's so true. You know, I think like, I agree with every one of those points. And you know, I think like one of the problems is with like marketers, is we become really focused on the tech, the data, the the stuff we can do inside platforms versus like you just broke it down really simply. If they did this, then maybe it's a good idea to show them this. Or maybe it's a good idea to do this. Like I, I'm such a believer and it sounds like you are as well as like your strategy should be predicated first and foremost on the consumer experience. The tech enables you to do that. And I think a lot of people start with tech first. What can the what does the tech let me do? And let me spray a bunch of shit within my tech because it makes me look smart and it does this and all this. Like, does that make sense to the consumer? You know? And I think like I'm I'm really glad it sounds in, like one in theory. Yeah. In what, what, theory it does, right? Like 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 in theory in the mindset of it, you could say, oh, that would be really cool. But to your point, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. 
No, I just saying I like I'm loving that your philosophy to marketing seems grounded in that, and also your product approach seems grounded in that, right? How can we solve the things that actually make the most sense? Which is like, you know, we're not trying to say like we've got all these amazing tech things. Like that's there, we've got the tech, but it like focus on the eighty percent. Focus on what's the consumer, what's the experience with the brand currently, and how can we evolve that moving forward? And how does the tech allow us to be better marketers versus how do we become really good at the tech? Correct. There's, dude, you know, I always laugh. People use the most rudimentary tools to do great things in marketing when they just know what they're doing. It doesn't matter as much. You're right. Tech makes it easier and the better the tech, it makes it easier for the marketer. But honestly, like you could give me a MailChimp account right now and I could perform just as well or better than probably most of the people in market. Because why? You just need to understand what you're doing and have a strategy behind. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. So let's, let's like product specific. What's the future of email, SMS, and reviews? Like how do people think about it? Like most, <laughs> it's a big one. Uh, what's, what's the future? Like, and I mean that in the sense of, you know, we hear more about more personalization, more contextual relevancy to their journeys. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in those things, but they've, they've always been the case, right? I feel like personalization past a certain point of engagement with a consumer has to be there else it just feels generic but you know so let's let's tech wise what do you think the future of email sms is yeah you know what's interesting because if you look at the last couple of years right with covid and the pandemic and everything we kind of hyper accelerated some of these channels like sms probably got hyper accelerated as a channel over the last whatever 3 4 years because of covid and the reliance of communication what I think we've seen in this world is pretty interesting. And this is like my philosophy about the way I see just general communication and business to communication to the end user. I look at it in a very interesting way. I think that what's changing right now is you have to be where your customer is. And what I mean by that is very simple. People are, one of the wildest things I learned as I've been in this business now and you know onboarding all these clients and different things is like, Everybody has a unique model, a unique community, and a unique place where people are, and especially the larger the brand are, the more unique it gets. And I'm talking about, hey, I love Discord. I love Telegram. I love Instagram chat. I love Facebook communities, right? Or meta communities, or I'm on, you know, I'm on Twitter only, and we do Twitter communities. And it's like, I believe the future of anything. I don't even think just email and SMS. And I think this is where we need to start evolving as, you know, software companies. And we think about this often is, how do we enable the merchant to talk to all the places that they're all their people are going to be essentially, right? Because you can't, you can't control the consumer. The con consumer is your end buyer and the moneymaker. And so you kind of have to live where they're living if you want to get their money, right? So to me, email, look, email will always be a, a main driver just as much as direct mail will be a real driver of revenue still today, right? Because there's a segment of the audience that still believes in that. SMS, 100% it is, but you could also argue WhatsApp. You could also argue Discord, and you could also argue Instagram and Facebook, right? The market's out there, and it's really how you want to do it. So it comes into my thing is like the future of marketing is communicating where your marketer, uh, where your end consumer is, and finding those people. And then two, it's still the creating the community. I think community has become more and more relevant than ever. And your job as a marketer is to find that community. If you can get that community to be an SMS community with you, great or they can be an email community with you, great. I mean, it just depends on where you go with it. So if I'm thinking non-tech, non-tool, those are the things I see into the future. And I think about it on my side, like 
how do we make sure we're there with them? Because that's where I see the world going. And so, yeah, I think the future is beyond just email, SMS and reviews and anything else. It's really just how do we enable ourselves to be where the customer is? And I think the customers are no longer just on Meta, just on Instagram, just on Facebook. As we all know, advertising is crazier than ever. You know what I mean? Like there's so many channels that you can advertise on and it's something that people get very blinded by or they get very shiny object syndrome with. But the reality is it's still your control, but you build the audience where you want to build them. So if you're asking me like, if I'm an email guy and I just like email, just build on email and you'll be just fine. You're not losing money on SMS. Sure, you might not be able to push the urgency fast enough on an SMS. You might not be able to communicate as often with somebody because you're not doing SMS. But the reality is if you're on email and they like your brand and your product, they're going to follow your email and look for your email, right? Like that's kind of the end story there. It's the same thing, right? Like it's just a, it's habitual. It's human habits, essentially. 100%. Community, like you said, is such a big thing. When I speak to, there's some brands who are doing it really well and some brands that um, I invested in that recently moved over to Sendlane and uh, who are doing it really well. Talk about the obvious of the world. I think a lot of people understand community. I think, you know, from brands that I talk to, I think there's like a, a barrier to understand, well, how do I do it? Right. And if you look at like, it's a really like maybe a simplistic example, but what did Obvi do really well in their Facebook groups? They created a community around people talking about their fitness journeys. The product is a side, the product is a, it's not the hero of the story. Right. Correct. And it's like, the problem is. Yeah. The exactly. Is the hero. And then you look yeah. at the, the brands I'm wearing here represent who, um, again, we've done some work with and their community is built, funnily enough, around this collective kind of like, fitness um, group. They just did this thing in Manchester. It was actually insane where like over 500 people came out for a morning run before a sample sale. Like I don't know many, I don't know many brands, maybe Nike who could just get 500 people in one city to come and do a fucking 5k run. How should people be thinking about community, Jimmy? I know this is like, you know, it's a, it's a big subject and it kind of, it varies, right? There's a strategy based on each brand, but in general, what advice would you give? It starts with the, it usually starts from the top in this instance with something like this. And what I mean by this is like, in order to create community, it's not just creating a group somewhere. I don't care where you do on Discord, Facebook, whatever you might do, right? It's not just creating a group there and then expecting people to do it ultimately, right? You've got to bring people in, you've got to engage them, you've got to work with them. It's a full-time job to build a community and you've got to have full-time effort behind it and laser focus. You can't just sit there and do it. So when I say building community, I, I think that the future is very much because people like to have, and you kind of nailed it, the they like to have a group of people who are experiencing the same problem, going after the same challenges, the same want, desire. And if you can empower that and something like Avi, obviously have done an amazing job doing that and empowering that. If you can empower that, you can have a product that essentially sells for itself, essentially, right? It becomes your new marketing channel. It becomes a way that you acquire customers. It just becomes a new way of looking at it. And people forget community is not just like email, SMS, or advertising anywhere. Like They're all still mediums of ways to get people to make a purchase ultimately, right? And they use all of them to work together often. But yeah, when I think about community, it's just very much very simple. It starts from the top. They got to get you involved. The person who's leading the sales thing got to be involved. You got to find a channel in which your customers are living, right? So if you're, you know, uh, Avi does it on Meta, for example, and you might be an Instagram guy, you might be a Telegram, Discord guy, really just depends on what you want to do, right? And then you just have to commit and treat it like a real channel and actually work through it. And dude, the, the thing about community, which is really hard is 
the first, I don't know, the first three, six, nine year, two years, 10 years, however long it takes for you guys, it's a really empty channel until it works, if that makes sense. Like it, it takes time to create the inflection. It takes time to create that want and it takes time to understand what they want as well too and how to make yourself different, unique and get keep people coming back. Right. Obvi's doing a great job because they're talking about the weight loss journey and how important it is. And, you know, and they, they're in the women's sector and women like communities because they like to feel empowered to work with other people. And you're not embarrassed or ashamed to have like minded people that will talk about the things they want. They all want to talk about it. Right. So, like, they've empowered that community to create. And obviously, Avi is the product that you got to use to and do that with yourself. Right. It's like a one two punch. It's such a brilliant thought process behind it. And so, when I think about it, even myself, I'm trying to create the Sendlane community right now, which is all about getting all the people, the founders and marketers and different people together. It's the same thing. I engage, I work heavily on it. I make sure that I can create that one-on-one connection because these early days are what sets the tone. It's like a company. You're setting the culture, you're setting the tone, and then you start building upon it and you can no longer control it after a certain time. But whatever base foundation you've been able to lay down, that's going to be the natural cycle that happens into that community, right? Making sure you have the right people moderating that still have that same mantra of the early days. It's no different. Community is just like building another company. That is essentially the same thing, ultimately. It's an extension of your company, ultimately. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Jimmy, I feel like we could, I say this in every podcast. It's called Bite Size because I'm meant to be short, like actionable things but i feel like we could talk for a, a lot longer i want to i want to end on because i think what you're building is really cool we're going to be we're going to be testing it right and i'm i'm okay saying that like we we use some of the incumbents but i i'm such a big believer in consolidation across everything like it, it just makes so much sense to me so i really appreciate you coming out on our link send lane and everything else within within the podcast but like what are you most excited for i mean the enthusiasm pouring out of you by the way is it's infectious because you're obviously pumped about what you're building at send lane and i can i I'm, I'm here for it but what are you most excited about for the next rest of this year but heading into next year uh the the immediate thing i'm most excited about is our live event coming up uh we planned this live event six seven months ago it's called commerce roundtable and uh we planned this event and, you know, we didn't know six, seven months ago how this thing would come out and come together. But as we're entering this about, what, about 30, 40 days away from it, I mean, the speakers are stacked, the excitement is there, the hype is there, the tickets are flying off the shelf, and it's it's pretty cool and exciting. So I'm very excited about that because that's my first chance to meet my community ultimately. I'm going to meet a lot of my customers for the first time face-to-face at this event. And I'm going to shake, I plan, I told my team, I want to shake everyone's hand in that room. So I'm going to walk around and make sure I meet everybody no matter what, because I think it's so important so I can start building that community for myself. So that's what I'm excited about now. Uh, As I look into the future, man, I'm just super excited about all the great partners and people in the community. Again, going back to community, which you said, the support I'm getting from the direct-to-consumer community, the support I'm getting from some of the greatest operators and founders in the market right now, just giving me the pushback of getting me, you know, up the scale and in front of a lot of people. So my next six to 12 months, I'm super excited because I think these next six to 12 months are going to be unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life, just because of where we are in the market. And it's exciting and terrifying and slightly paranoia, paranoid at the same time, like all of them. And I think that everything I've been doing for the last six, seven years is now coming to my 
kind of like my inflection point in this this world and I can't miss this opportunity. So I'm super excited about it. I'm very hyper aware of everything right now. And uh, the paranoia is real and that like as a founder, I'm paranoid that this feeling will ever go away. So it's my job to make sure it never goes away. And it's make sure that I do what I did here today and make sure that I'm setting the foundation of this company forward so that I never lose that edge that I have here today. So that's like me and what I'm excited about right now. And uh, yeah, I've got lots of new things coming out in this next six to 12 months of products. And I think that each and every time we do it, it's just going to give aha moments to people and realize, oh crap, like this guy's really thinking about things in a different manner. And we're really trying to change the way that we market in the world. So that's my goal, man. I'm here to educate. I'm here to teach. I'm here to give people the wisdom and guidance wherever I can. And I also want to change the way the world thinks about what we're doing in the world and how marketing should be happening in this space. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of big picture things that I'm thinking about, man. Jimmy, I love it. I love it. What a great, what a great way to end. And listen, listen, man, if anyone's going to do it, it's you. You, you appreciate know that, man. Even, even in from this, we've connected briefly before this, but I think just your knowledge of the space, your knowledge of what marketers want. I, I, I personally share so many of the same philosophies around how tech supports good marketing. Um, so congrats, man. I'm excited for you. Appreciate it. Um, uh, I used to get myself to this event. Uh, my invite must be in the post, but um, I, need to, I need to get out to this. <laughs> we got to get you. Okay. I'll, go tap on, I'll go tap on Nick and see what's up there. But yes, it, it's I'd love good. to get you this event. Yeah, for sure, awesome, man. man. Well, thank Thanks you so much for me, coming on. No, thank you so much for coming on, dude. My, ple- my absolute pleasure. I uh, really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you.